Hi there, uh, my name is Pip Pamina. I'm the Interim State Leader for Baptist Mission Australia. And it's my pleasure to join with you and to read these two passages uh, as we uh, open up the message together. So the first is from Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 5, 12 to 15. And again, as you can see on the screen, the second reading is from Hebrews chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, uh, on it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Hebrews 4, starting at verse 1. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest. Just as God has said, so I declared on oath in my anger, they should never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Well, good, good morning, everyone. My name's James. It's great to be here today. And now you might be here for the first time and thinking, oh man, I didn't come to church to hear about the Ten Commandments today. Well, that's why we're studying it as a church. You know, they may seem archaic, they may seem old, but, but we're planning to go through this series over, well, over nine weeks. We've combined a couple together. But we wanted to go through this because we're people who have been set free to live free for Jesus. And so we're wanting to delve deeper and to go, do these words have any bearing on life today? And I hope today that if you are visiting the first time, you might see that there's something, yeah, okay, 
you get to know who God is and get to know who Jesus is a little bit more if you don't already know him. So let's pray as we come to God's word today, to the um, commandment number four. Heavenly Father, we ask that you'll give us faith to understand, give us the eyes to see, and Lord, transform us to live for you in the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. In 1879, uh, Thomas Edison, he patented the electric bulb. Now, it revolutionized the, the world, didn't it? It revolutionized the way we live, the way we work, the way we sleep, and it revolutionized the way that we rest. It's allowed us to do so many things. But Thomas Edison said that the, the enemy, well, that rest, rest is the enemy of production. He also said in 1914, he said, there, there is no good reason why people should ever have to sleep at all. Now, in, in the year 20, if, if I look back to 1914 as, as, a, as a, middle age, a middle age now, I think, and so as I look back, I feel like in 1914, yeah, I could get that. But in 2022, as I hear that, I feel to myself, I think, I don't know whether I could handle that anymore. No, in the 21st century, we, we can go to Kmart in Blacktown and shop 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We can work every day of the week. We have lights. We, we can go to Macca's drive through and get a coffee at any moment of any day. We can be on Facebook and scroll in the morning and at night. We can look at Instagram. We can read the news 24-7. There's just this element that the world runs for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it's, I just go, I mean, I wish I had more time to rest. Do you feel that pressure? You know, imagine Lauren. Imagine, imagine Lauren, she's, 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 in, she's integral, she, she loves her job, she wants to work hard. And so because she doesn't want to be missed at work, she doesn't take vacations. But every couple of years, she'll take two weeks off. And when she goes away, she takes the laptop with her. And while she sits at the beach, she's tempted to check her emails. And she has a quick look, and occasionally, every couple of days, as she checks her emails morning and night, just have a quick glimpse, make sure everything's okay, she'll reply to one of her boss's emails just so the boss knows that she's still invested at work. Because she's fearful that if she goes away, she will be missed. Or imagine, imagine Jonathan, who's sitting for the HSC. He's been told that you've got to get the job that you love. You've got to get good marks so that you enjoy and have purpose in life. And so he studies for the HSC seven days a week. And then he gets to uni. And so he naturally has to study seven days a week. And then he gets to the job that he's meant to love because he studied so hard. And he sort of loves it. But after a while, he feels tired and exhausted because it hasn't given him the purpose and the love that he once thought he would have with the job that he got. And then you've got Lorna who's picked up some extra work. She's working for a big project company and they've got these big projects that need to be finished by the end of the year. And so Lorna goes, we're running out of time. They need me. This Sunday I'll go and work. Or this Saturday I'll go in. And it's only for one week I'll work seven days. Only one week and I'll just catch up the project deadline we've done. Two weeks later, she's worked seven days, three, four, five. The project doesn't get any closer. And after 10 weeks, she's worked pretty much seven days a week. Do you ever feel that pressure? Do you ever feel that pressure? Maybe you're retired and you go, I've got grandkids to look after, but that's full on. And before long, your, your kids are asking, can you do it seven days a week? 
But do you ever feel that pressure, that urge to check emails at 10 o'clock at night? That, that urge to, while you're away on holidays, I've got to look at my emails or I've got to check my phone because if I missed, I'll, I won't be, I won't work my way up the calendar. And yet as a country, as we have technology in our hands all the time, we seem more exhausted and more worn out. We seem more tired than ever. And medical professions, doctors, cardiologists, people are telling us we need more sleep, we need more rest. Psychologists and counsellors are telling us we need to actually stop and cease work. Joel Gascoigne, in not, I think it was 2013, he's a blogger, he's not an official researcher, but he decided, you know what, I'm going to practice, I'm going to work seven days in a row, and I'm going to have seven days off because that's surely going to be better for my health. And so he did it for a while. He worked seven days on, seven days off. And what happened? After that trial, he came back and he said, you know what, I'm no better off. I'm actually more exhausted. Interesting. Now, Joel, he's not a Christian. He doesn't, have, he, he doesn't confess to be a Christian. And yet in this article, he said, but you know what I found? I found this archaic book called the Bible and it had this word saying, work six days and cease work on the seventh. And he said that was profound. And today we, we come to a book that maybe for you is like thousands of years old and you think, any relevance? Yeah, our doctors are telling us we need to cease work and yet these words to a small nation who were really nothing in the world, yet God chose them and God says to them, observe the Sabbath, cease work. And so today we're going to look at this, 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 this idea of observing the Sabbath and what that means and what exactly is it. So we're going to look at that. Why Sabbath? So as you heard, we're in, we're in a sermon series called the Ten Commandments. Now in a way, the book of Deuteronomy never calls them the Ten Commandments. It calls them the Ten Words. And in a way, they're, they're, we, we narrow them down to ten, but they're actually principles that get played out in the rest of the book of Deuteronomy. They're principles for life. We've been set free to live free. They're people who have already been rescued. They're not things that we do to be made friends with God. They're actually words that came to God's people after he rescued them out of slavery. And so we're going to look at these Ten Commandments today. We're going to look at one of them. In a way, they're, they're principles for life. They're freeing words. Now, you know I enjoy tennis. And I've shared this before. If tennis had no nets or like no big fences around if tennis had no lines and now sometimes I wish the baseline was an extra two inches longer don't you but imagine if I increased that line to two inches every time eventually the game wouldn't be fun it wouldn't be freeing see boundaries that they actually present freedom for ourselves and here we're going to see today that he talks to these people thousands of years ago Moses and he says look at verse 12 in your bibles if you've got one there observe the sabbath day by keeping it holy now to observe is to act accordingly it's to obey what does sabbath mean it just would have been good if they translated cease work it means shabbat in hebrew which means to cease work to stop work for a day but what are we why what what, what are we to do it for it's set apart you notice that to by keeping it holy how do we observe it well we cease work by keeping it holy now what does holy mean it means something special it means set apart now, you might not know this, but I like fountain pens. A boy from the country, I, I, I like buying fountain pens. And so I buy them, I buy special inks, and I, I have my, I've actually got my everyday fountain pen. But do you know what? I've actually got a holy fountain pen. It's my best fountain pen, it's got my best ink in it, and it comes out only at special occasions. 
weddings. It's only used at weddings. And it used to be only used to write sermons, but now I sort of type it. But it's my special pen. Why? Because it's set apart for a special purpose. That's holiness means set apart, special. And so it's to be special. Why? So here's the question we're going to ask. Why cease work? Why does this passage, and, and as we look at it, we're going to see that there's healthy boundaries to, to thrive in. And we're going to see four reasons why to cease work. Now, the first two are grounded in the Old Testament text. So we're going to see what it means for the Old Testament people. Point three is just going to be a bit of an insight. And then point four is really going to see how do we view it this side of Jesus. Okay, that's what we're going to do this morning. We've got four things. It's not a three-point sermon. It's a four-point today. Aren't you lucky? First one, why cease work? Well, it reorientates us. That's point number one. It reorientates us to why we were created. It, reorient, it realigns us with God's purpose for our lives. In the busyness of work, in the busyness of social media, do you just feel like we forget why we were created? As you look there at Instagram and you look at other families and you think, man, I wish my family was as good as that family, and it just tires you, in that moment we have forgotten that we're actually here not to enjoy whether people think much of our family, but we're here to enjoy God. See, it's, it's about realigning ourselves with God. That's why we were created. And it's grounded. Here, here we go. Exodus and Deuteronomy, um, they do interesting things. In the book of Exodus chapter 20, we've got the Ten Commandments. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, we've got the Ten Commandments. However, this commandment number four, observing the Sabbath, it slightly gives two different reasons. And we're going to have a look at that. And the first reason is in Exodus, it actually gives it because of creation. So if you've got a Bible, go to Exodus chapter 20. And in Exodus, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, it says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Now, what we're going to see in a moment is that it reorientates us because of the created order. Look at verse 11. Here's why he says it. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. So he's taking us back to creation. Now, he's grounding it in the rhythms of life. As, as, there's, there's rhythms, there's natural laws of life, and it's grounded in that. And we're going to see that we're here to actually enjoy God. But now Russia, Russia in 1929, they, they came up with this wonderful plan to change the seven-day week to a five-day week. They thought it'd be and have 73 weeks a year. 19, 1931, they decided it ain't working. So they went to a six-day week. And then by 1940, they go and scrap it. We've got to go back to a seven-day week. Isn't that interesting that the rhythms of life that actually every, everyone practices seven days? It's just, it's built into the created order. There's this rhythm that we're... It's just there. And so if you're here today and you're questioning, I wonder who God is. I'm trying to work out, you know, is he real, is he not? I want to encourage you to see, hang on, there's actually some natural things that are built into creation. There's a rhythm of seven days and everyone actually, we all come up with it. See, Sabbath, ceasing work takes us back to the creation. Now, because God, why? Because God rested on the seventh day. Now, I rest because I'm pooped. Do you think God, at the end of the six days, when he spoke and created the world, do you think he's going, I'm tired and exhausted? Like, I'm worn out? No, God's God, right? He, he spoke and he created existence. But what, what, what it's saying is that on the seventh day, right? See, seven, it's completion. 
It's fulfillment. See, he created, and now here is the seventh day of fulfillment and completion of what God had done. And Adam and Eve were there. See, in his presence in the Garden of Eden, it's this idea of enjoying God. See, the seventh day is complete. It's fulfilled. It's it's in a way, there for us to enjoy God. It was a place where they were under God's rule and under his reign, a place where they enjoyed and a place where they worshipped God together. That's why they rested on the seventh day. It's sort of this plays out in the Garden of Eden. Why cease work? Because it reorientates us to why we were created. We had a purpose to enjoy God forever. It reminds us of the created natural rhythms of life. It reorientates us to that. Now, the Sabbath is to enjoy God. Now, it's also reminding us that God's not a taskmaster who's distant. So we're going to see in the second point, it's not that God's distant and he's laying down on all of us all these things we must do and that God's really, really distant. No, actually what we see in Deuteronomy, that God's actually personal and he's close with his people. And that to cease work is to trust God with your time. And that brings us to the second point. Why cease work? Well, because it reminds us, it reminds us. It reminds us of the freedom we have. It reminds the people of God of the freedom they have. See, Exodus was about creation. Now go back to Deuteronomy chapter 5, and now it's about salvation. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 13, six days you shall labor. Now, or you could translate that, six days you shall slave. And do all your work. Now jump down to verse 13, 15, sorry. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. So he's, you know, you slaved for six days, but remember, and so he's playing on these words, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand. Remember that. Remember it was an outstretched arm. He rescued you. Therefore the Lord your God has commanded you to, to cease work for a day. See, We've just done the book of Exodus, chapter 15, and what we saw was that God, you know, the plagues, he, he basically showed the Egyptians and the people of God, he basically showed them that all the Egyptian gods of the water and of the animals, they're all, God's power, more powerful than all that. He just rescued them by parting the Red Sea. He's just delivered them, and 40 years later, here in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is saying, remember that you were once slave, but now you've been set free. Because see, in the ancient world, the gods, see, the Egyptian gods, the Canaanite gods, they demanded that you would work ceaselessly, that you were to work without rest, you were to offer ceaseless offerings to the gods so that you could earn their favour, hoping that the harder I work, the more I do, hopefully God will just favour me. But what the God of Israel's doing, the God of Jacob, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, what he's doing here is he's distinguishing himself from the Egyptian gods. He's distinguishing himself from the Canaanite gods by saying... I don't demand your ceaseless labor like other gods do. Because the other gods were distant and I have to do more to gain their favor. Now we're in 22nd, well, we're in 21st century Australia and, and probably for some of us, it's, we're probably not bowing down to the Egyptian gods or the Canaanite gods. <coughs> we're not working seven days to earn the favor of a Canaanite god or the sun god or the the fertility God. Maybe you're here for the first time and you go, well, I don't believe in any gods. 
But I wonder if there's any of us here today where we might be finding the pressure, we might be finding the pressure to work ceaselessly to earn the favour of a family member. Maybe you'll find the pressure to work ceaselessly to earn your own favour inside of you where it says, I'm nobody if I don't complete this. And so you work tirelessly. Maybe you find the pressure of working ceaselessly to earn your friend's favour, your colleague's favour, your boss's favour. And sometimes we even try to work ceaselessly to earn the church's favour. And in those moments, what we have seen over the last couple of weeks is in those moments where we try and find purpose and favour in those things, it's in those moments that we've created our own God. They've become our God. They've become our security. They've become our purpose. Why is rest so hard? Well, I came across this the other day by Jackie Hill Perry. It says, why is rest so hard? It could be that rest imposes certain limitations on us. That's what rest does. It's putting us in a position to find purpose independent of our work. Do you get what she's saying? So the reason sometimes we find it hard to take a day off, sometimes the reason we find it hard to go to bed and, and stay, we stay up is because we're finding purpose in those things. But rest helps you realize it's somewhere else. See, ceasing work, here for the people of God thousands of years ago, how beautiful is this that their God who's rescued them gives them the gift of rest? This is a gift. It's an invitation to stop and to cease work. He's not asking you to do that. See, the Egyptian gods, well, in Egypt, the, the, the Israelites, when they were in Egypt, guess what they were doing seven days a week? 20, what were they doing? They were oppressed, afflicted. They were enslaved for seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. And God has rescued them out of that, out of that slavery to those gods and said, hey, I'm, I'm, I've given you the permission to rest, to cease, to, give, to, to rest in that. And so therefore, here's the third point. What, what does ceasing work do? Well, it guards us. This, this is something, I, I, it's not directly, but I think it guards us against a thing called idolatry. What's idolatry? Well, it's, it's where we find purpose and significance and security outside of the one true God. Now, we find it in work, we can find it in sport, we can find it in our family. But what this does is ceasing work, it actually protects us from work. Now, I need that to protect me from work becoming a God. Now, some of you in this room are probably similar, others may not be. There might be other areas, you may not have a trouble with working seven days a week, you'd rather just work one. But we're all we're sort of different. We've got to ask ourselves, what's the God of each of us? You know, the one who says, I only want to work two days. Why is that? What's the God of purpose behind that? What's the purpose behind me? Oh, I'd love to do more. It's, we've got to ask, we've got to be guarded against it. And so I think that's what the Sabbath does for the people of God. In the ancient world, for these Israelites who were about to add in, go into the Canaanite country, it protects them from idolatry of work becoming their God. Because they're on the edge of this land. They're on, the ledge, they're on the edge of Canaan country, right? God said, this is like, this is fertile country flowing with milk and honey. And so as they go into this land, there's going to be plenty of things to do. There's going to be houses to build. There's going to be mansions and there's going to be crops galore. There's going to be that temptation constantly to find your identity in your work. And, that's, and I think in, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, um, we find in verse 11, be careful that you do not forget this Forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. 
Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build, find houses and settle down, and when your herds and your flocks grow large and your silver and your gold increases and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud. See, when your stock grows, you're going to have more work. When you've got more money, you actually have more work to do. But don't forget the God who brought you out of slavery, who led you through a vast and dreadful wilderness. It's, it's, it's saying, hey, look at the God you serve. Look what he's done. He's freed you. Don't forget that. Cease work. See, ceasing work guards these people from trusting in themselves and actually protects us from thinking that all we have is because of our own merit and our own work. See, it's an invite. It's an invite towards us to trust God, to trust God with our time. Can you trust God to give what you need because you cease work for a day? I think it guards the people of God from finding purpose and meaning outside of Jesus. It guards us from not trusting God with our need for sleep. So why, why cease work? Well, it reorientates us because of creation. It, rem, it reminds us we're here to enjoy God. It reminds us, sorry, that, that we've been saved and given freedom. But at the same time, it also reveals to us something in a second. It guards us thirdly. But we're going to go to a point four in a moment. But I don't know about you, but even after last week's sermon with RJ, you sit here as we go through this and as we truly understand these words, you go, I can't keep it. I haven't kept it. I haven't lived up to this. There are times where my job becomes a God. There's times where I don't cease. There's times where we, we, we're trusting in our own ability. And so therefore, it's just like, man, we, we don't live like this. We don't remember. We get caught up. We forget and we get caught in the midst of it. It's hard to imagine that we could ever live like that. But that's why we get to point four. Because really, that it exposes our need for Jesus. See, why do we Sabbath? Why does, why does he say cease work? Because it, it's, it reveals to us Jesus. Ultimately, it reveals to us Jesus. See, the Sabbath isn't the real substance. See, the Old Testament idea of Sabbath, for us, it isn't about ceasing work in that sense but it was to point us to the real substance see the sabbath is a shadow that points us towards jesus and the invitation to rest in him Do you, like have you ever been in a park where you've sat on the bench the warm spring day and you're just soaking in the sun you're soaking in the smells and you sit there and you look down and you're resting and you see this shadow this big shadow just sort of, it comes across the ground and it just keeps growing and it goes further and further out. And you can sit there and you can just watch the shadow. But if you never look up, you miss it. You miss the beauty and the wonder of the clouds. See, the Sabbath was a shadow of the real substance of Jesus. See, that's what Colossians chapter 2 says. It's going to come up on the screen. Colossians chapter 2 says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to religious festivals, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are sh a shadow of the things that were to come. What's the reality? But the reality, however, is found in Christ. Your reality is found in Christ. And in, in Hebrews chapter 4, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 8, it says, For if Joshua had given them rest. Now, that's intriguing because the, this came way before Joshua. So what's going on here that if it came after Joshua? Well, it means that there's something that it's pointing to. 
because he speaks of a, a later rest. See, this Sabbath that the, that the Israelites were to practice was pointing to another rest. Verse 9, there remains in a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also, here's the gospel. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. See, it's to rest from your works. See, this side of Jesus, firstly and primarily to obey this command, is to just trust in Jesus for salvation. To observe the Sabbath is to cease from your sinful ways of earning your salvation and trusting in Christ alone. See, see the Sabbath, it's, it's ultimately saying, hey, we, we, we so often go around life hoping that we will do these things to earn the favour of God. But the Sabbath says, no, it's you find your rest in Jesus. It says, ultimately, find rest in him. So you might be here today and you're just tired and wearied. You're feeling like God's saying, I need to do more. I need to earn your favor. I just, I just feel like life is so overwhelming. My job that I thought was going to give me purpose would give me purpose, and yet it's let me down. I thought that the family, I was going to have a big family. I had a big family, but it just hasn't turned out how I like it to turn out. And you're just hoping that those things would favor and that your kids would grow up and God would just sort of favor you and love you if you do all these things. And you've realized that, man, that's just too weighty to bear. Well, the Sabbath invites you to come and find rest in Jesus. Jesus who says, come to me, all who are wearied and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Set free to be free in Jesus. See, it's not ceasing work that you'll find real rest. It's stopping work in yourself and trusting in Jesus that you'll find true rest. See, because here today, there's two people, two types of people, probably. There's those who will be tempted to work too much. Then there'll be those of you who will say, James, I get it. I get having a Sabbath. I have two days off. I do my emotional cleansing. You know, you do all these things for rest and they're good, right? But you're actually taking a day off and you're taking these rests so that you can feel good for your purpose and your identity. But see, the Sabbath invites whether you're someone who's finding identity in your taking physical rest, it invites you actually, no, no, you'll never find rest in that. You can only find it in Jesus. And to those of us who want to work seven days, it says, no, 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 it's, you only find rest in Jesus. See, ultimately, we need to cease our, our work spiritually and rest in Jesus. And all those other things will fall into place. It'll still be tough. It'll still be hard. See, the Sabbath is an invitation for everyone in this room to rest in Jesus to find rest in him and in a way it reminds us today as margaret goes out there's a sense of the world needs this rest now we live in a world that's 24 7 a day they need it they need it desperately and so margaret as you head out you go into a country where there are people who are making ceaseless offerings hoping to find favor with god but we have the good news of jesus that they can find rest in him it reminds us that when we cease work, that we're on mission. We're on mission to let people know that there's a God where you can find rest and you can enjoy him through Jesus, who's paid the price at the cross, who's done it all. Okay. So, it's, it's primarily this, this command. It's, it's for us, this side, it's saying, no, no, it's an invitation to find rest in Jesus. But what I want to do is I want to do two practical things. Here's two implications, because I think... 
there is some implications with this Sabbath idea. Now, as we come to the idea of Sabbath, we're in a mixed room. Okay, and so in a mixed room about the Sabbath, there is going to be slightly different opinions of what it means to cease work, when you should do it, what you should do on a Sunday, what you shouldn't do, right? In a room like that, there is going to be a slightly some differences on that. However, in Romans chapter 14, Paul says, if one person considers one day more sacred than another, they do it to the Lord. And so in a room like this, we are probably going to have slight, some different thinking about what it means to cease work and have a Sabbath, right? And what it means to be Sunday. Well, when Jesus came, everything changed. Right? The Old Testament people met on the Sabbath, which is a Saturday. The early church started to worship on a Sunday because of the resurrection. Until Constantine in 312 AD, it probably was a day of work until Constantine actually gave it as a day off on a Sunday. So what does that mean for us? Well, here I'm going to give you two implications from me of what I think it means for us. I think it does mean that we should cease work for a day for a 24-hour period somewhere i i go further back because it's actually built into the sort of the natural it's it's the the creation it's this it's, it's built into creation and so I, I think in a way that we should cease work for a day now what day oh, i i think you can pick that you know it's cease day for a work how long 24 hours a period. I reckon it's got to be a good length of time. Now, don't fall into the trap of thinking that if I take a Tuesday afternoon off and a Friday morning, that's enough. I think there is something nice about a 24-hour period where you cease work. Guard yourself against your job. Now, what's the question that we all ask each other? How are you doing? And we go, I'm fine. How was your week? I was busy. Busy is this idea of a badge of honour. But we're to cease work. It's a gift to enjoy. Doctors are telling us, and God's actually, he, he says it's okay to stop. So how long? Well, I've still, I think it's good to take a full day off, to rest from your work, to cease it. And probably for most of us, the best day for that is Sunday, because in Australia, we have Sundays off. Now, if you're a shift worker, that's going to look different. Don't look at emails on your day off. Now, what about me, right? I'm, I'm sort of, today's a busy day for me. I'm quite tired by the end of it. It's not really a day where I cease work. So what do I do? I take Fridays off. Friday's my day off. So Thursday night, late at night, I switch off. I put my phone away and I don't check my emails. I don't do anything like that. And I take 24 hours off. And Saturday morning, I wake up and guess what? The world has not fallen apart. Nothing, like my phone really doesn't have any, the emails really haven't increased. Now, at first, when I started to do that, I wanted to check my emails all the time. But now, I don't, I don't even want to do it. It's, it's, it's just, what, what can I do to cease work? And I think there's, a, there's an element here, like, if you're someone who's physically working, you probably do need to cease physical work for a day. And if you're someone who's got emotional, you know, like a counsellor, probably there's something you need to get out in the garden, or you've got to go and do some exercise. Like, it's... it's You've got to work out what that means to cease work. There's a thing on your phone called do not disturb. Put that on. Hang out with the family or go and see friends. To cease work is to ultimately trust God with our time. Your pattern of rest and how you use your time exposes what you believe. Celebrate your rest or we will celebrate your rest. But how... How might we know if it's work, right? This is the question. When is it work? Because some of you are retired. When is it work? It's a good question. I, I think it's a tough one. When does something become work? 
I think Jen Wilkins is really helpful here. Here's, here's a quote. Sabbath, to cease work, is the deliberate cessation of any activity that might reinforce my belief in my own self-sufficiency. There you go. So if washing the clothes on a day is where you find your sufficiency, probably stop doing it for a day. So like, so I think that's a really helpful thing. If you find you're self-sufficient, if you're tempted to find that in looking after your grandkids seven days a week, maybe you need to cease from watching them. Set. Like, do you see what she's saying? I think what is work, it's where you find your self-sufficiency. Okay. But finally, cease work for a day. But I think here it is, cease work to celebrate Jesus' work. Rest to celebrate and remind yourself of the rest you have received in Jesus and the rest that you have to come. Celebrate that you've been rescued from slavery, from the slavery of work. Why go back to being enslaved? Now, if you're an employee, why, if you're someone who employs people, why not give, make sure you give people a day off? And it's great in Australia, as I said, for us as a church, it's great for us because we get, most of us get Sunday off. So come to church on a Sunday and rejoice and enjoy Jesus. Celebrate the Sabbath. See, the Sabbath was a festival in the Old Testament. Food, fun, you know, it, it's, enjoy it. Cease work to celebrate Jesus' work and do it with God's people on a Sunday. Why cease work? Well, there's so much more you could cover in this thing. And if you've got any questions, come back tonight and we do Q&A. You get to hear it a second time. But why cease work? Well, it reorientates us that we're here to enjoy God. It reminds us of the freedom we have. It reveals to, it, it guards us against work, becoming idolatry, and it reveals to us to celebrate our salvation. It reveals to us Jesus. We just celebrate our salvation. See, Thomas Edison said that, the, that rest is the enemy of production. It gets you nowhere in the end. Stop work to remember Jesus' work. Cease work. I was, I was reading a book a, a year or two ago and there was a wagon train that was going over, over America, over the continent of America, you know, a couple hundred years ago. This wagon train was, was headed, you know, it's filled with wagons and cattle and horses and people moving across America. And, and the winter had come in a little bit early and so these people, they got divided over whether they should go for seven days a week or whether they should go for six days a week. So they were half divided. One group said, we should keep going for seven days a week because the winter's coming in. The other group said, we should do six days because God's told us to cease work. And so half the group went with seven days, the other half went with six. One group gone, well, no, we'll trust and be in control of our time and our resources and where we're headed. And the other group's gone, no, we'll trust that ceasing work is okay. Do you know which group got to the city well in advance of the other group? The group that stopped every seven days. Let's make sure we cease work to celebrate Jesus. To celebrate and rejoice in what he's done for us because at the cross, Christ worked for our salvation so that you and me here today could be invited to cease our work and be invited into his kingdom because he's accomplished it all and he says it is finished. So let's celebrate, cease work, turn your eyes to Jesus and rejoice in him.